1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go PowerCat Publisher, Tim Fitzgerald.
2: Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. No, I'm not Fitz. Fitz is here with us. He is joining us via phone from Colorado. But I'm Zach Carlson, joined with Ryan Gilbert. Gil's Gilbert. Gills Gilbert. Even though Fitz isn't here, doesn't mean you can slack off. Ryan Gills Gilbert. Did I do it right, Fitz? You got it. That's beautiful. We are brought to you by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor at the corner of Claflin and Westport. No need to pause. I know the streets. Get in there. Get you some. That's what we say. Anyway, since Fitz is over the phone, we will just dive in. No no need to dance around. We've got some football questions, a basketball question, and then a ton of con- conference expansion and realignment questions that we've brought Fitz on here for in the middle of his vacation since that's basically everything you asked in the thread this week. So, Gills, take it away. First question comes from I Like
3: Pickles Cat. What does the pass rush look like this fall? Can we expect production close to last year, considering the attention Felix and Huggins got will be diverted elsewhere?
4: Yeah, it's valid. I mean, it's uh, how these pieces along that line will go together. Um, you know, does Uso create the kind of chaos in the middle by occupying two blockers, which Eli Huggins did a great job of doing? Um, Does someone provide the kind of threat on the outside that Felix, Andy, D.K. Uzama did this also demanding double team attention and bringing up Brendan Mott to do a lot of his damage. Mott had a huge season. I think a healthy name, Malak, is going to be huge and Khalid Duke really for me is the linchpin in this. Can he get back to his old standard of what we expected two years ago before his injuries set in Um, and You know, if he's 100% healthy, he's back at home at defensive end for after playing a year at linebacker in space. And can he provide that kind of threat that dictates how an offense needs to run against the K-State defense and honestly can make them a little bit more predictable?
2: Yeah, I'm interested to see how Khalid Duke kind of shifts Back down into that role because he he played there well, and then you have Felix come in and and he was playing well while Khalid was able to play that linebacker spot but I think that um, even though it feels like it's it's a new guy in a new position, you know he's played there before. I think we'll see some success from him early on. Um, I feel comfortable with Nate Matlack um, even Brendan Mott you know showed some things last year that you know. We're, we're pleasing. Um, I think that interior position, though, is really going to be what it comes down to. Can Uso Siamalu take over Eli Huggins and kind of replace him?
3: I agree. Thank you, Gills. Next question from TDE67. K-State football over-unders. We'll go one by one here. Offense averaging 32 points per game.
4: Oof. Oh, that's... That's a high number um, without looking at last year's stats to have some perspective. I will go under on that. I think the defense is going to be good enough for it case it didn't have to score a ton of points like that.
2: I think 32 is probably about what I'd put them at. Maybe 31. 31 would be under. But, yeah, I, just, I think you're going to need to get to that 32 point point. Range, you're going to need a lot of games in the 40s, 50s to kind of make up for the, you know, the, the three score, the four score games where you aren't necessarily putting up a lot of points, and your defense is helping you out a little bit. So I think I'll take the under there as well.
3: Yeah, 32 is a little rich. You mentioned Zach. Just those first games against Troy and Semo. You know, that's where you got to pack. Yeah. you got to really stack up points for the rest of the season. I'd still go the under though. We'll go 20 20- <laughs> – good job, Zach. We'll go 21 passing touchdowns over-under. Uh, I will go
4: over, over. Um, I think, you know, if we're just talking will hard, you look at his production over part of a season, you see numbers that align with that, and he won't be the only quarterback. Um, so I, I think there's a team over that, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think – I think you got to go over because 21, you know, divide that by 12, that's less than two touchdowns through the air per game. I think that there's going to be a lot of games where Will's throwing at least two, probably three early on, maybe four. I think that K State's able to get more than 21 passing touchdowns this season.
3: So, Will Howard played in, what are you playing, seven, eight games last year? He had 15 touchdowns alone in those games. And so you're going to include also maybe what? five or six that are just going to be little screen passes or drop-offs to Giddens or Treshawn Ward. I'll go over on this one easily. Next one is 200 yards rushing per game.
4: It seems like it should be attainable. I mean, uh, you think about all the great games Deuce had alone, but uh, I want to actually stay on the under, not, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't bet this one is for this way. I I would stay away from this one, but I I might bet the under on this one.
2: I'm going to go under just because you need, you know, for 200 yards, you probably need a 100 yard rusher. And then you still need a healthy chunk of yards from, you know, another guy plus, you know, even another guy. So looking at just, how much is in the backfield right now. I don't doubt Treshawn Ward or DJ Giddens and their ability to get to hundred yards. I doubt just the game plan and having multiple guys being able to get you over that total. So I'm going to go under there. Yeah.
3: Under all the way here with all due respect to the running game. I yeah. under. next is defense 16 interceptions, 16 wow.
2: seems really high, yeah. but also I don't know yeah. what the total was last year either.
4: That yeah, seems high. I'll take the under on that. No, I, that'd be awesome.
2: Yeah, but that's more than one a game. I think that's that's really tough. Yeah. I also
3: like the under. I'm trying to pull up the interceptions right here. Last year, I think he's on to something. TDE's on to something. What was it? Sixteen. Okay. So <laughs> I I mean, wow. It's crazy to think they had that many last year, but they did. But I'll still go under last one is non-offensive touchdowns, three for the season.
4: Let am going to go over. <clears throat> I feel like special teams is going to kind of roar back to life a little bit. I mean, they were um, not as dynamic at times last year as we're used to. A lot of that's because teams just avoid it. But um, I think there'll be a renewed spirit with the new special teams coordinator.
2: I think is about the number I'd pick. If it was four if it was three and a half, I'd probably go under. If it was two and a half, I'd go over. That's how I feel. I don't want to take a push though, but I think I think three's really attainable. I think in those in that in the three non conference games, I think you get at least a punt return or a kickoff return. And then, you know, a couple more throughout the rest of the season I think is fairly reasonable to expect.
3: There is still some uncertainty here. Chris, you know, Klyman mentioned this on Tuesday that he's not really sure who that lead returner is going to be. Obviously, Phillip Brooks has the experience, but, you know, do you want him to be that main guy or what's the, the word? Secondary guy um, on those returns. So, uh, you know, they've got obviously weapons there, you know, bringing in Chili is going to be huge. And, you know, Klyman mentioned that too, that, you know, that was a big reason he wanted to come to Manhattan was because of the the way that K-State values special teams and everything that, you know, you hear about special teams at K State is true. That being said, man, three is—I mean, it's tough for any team to do that. Even a team that does value it as much as K State, this is a a good line. But we can't pick a push sack. You can't do that. Fine, I'll take the over. We'll, we'll, take we'll go over. It's more fun four. to bet the over.
4: I, I guys, I want to point out that um, you know these interception totals and and non—you know, this this could include defensive touchdowns here. If Hunter Decker's doesn't play for Iowa State, it, it makes it more challenging to get those interception and in non-offensive <laughs> touchdown numbers. Just, just saying.
3: <laughs> Depends if Hunter Decker's what way he's, you know, if he's trying or not. Let's put it that
2: way. Is he even on the team? <laughs> I don't know. Surely he's gone, right?
4: I, I, there's been nothing official. Um, which you know, I don't, I don't know, guys. I, I, just, there's no way he's going to be eligible. What, I mean if you bet on your own team, whether it's it play or not, it's still you've got insider knowledge.
2: Right. And NFL guys so. got got worse suspensions for lesser violations, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's probably done with college eligibility.
3: From LFK Wildcat, this season looked great, like a great opportunity for K-State to solidify its position as a top tier program in the new big 12. How does the addition of the four corner schools affect that going forward? Does it make this season's results less impactful in the bigger picture going forward?
4: No, I don't think so. I mean, if Kansas state wins back-to-back big 12 titles, or at least goes to the game back-to-back and makes it to another new year, six bowl game, I, I think it really does establish Kansas State as um, the team in the new 16 that you know everyone's got to kind of strive to uh, strive to meet. It doesn't mean that they're going to be dominant, and there's no one dominant in this conference. Uh, but you know, it, it certainly indicates a, a trend, uh, an upward trajectory that, uh, if you can sustain it, could turn it into domination. Uh, the wild card in all this, and I know we'll get into realignment, is. Yeah, you know, I'm seeing. Uh, Listen to my colleague Jason sheer at the Arizona site. Arizona football struggled. Jedfish Fish seems to have him going the right direction. And I, I know I encountered Jedfish Fish uh, when Kansas State played uh, UCLA in the, a recent bowl game, and I was blown away. I was very impressed by him. So uh, I, I think now Arizona's ability to get into Texas more to recruit—you uh, know—they they have done that in the past, but now they're—you know—that a number of games will be with Texas teams. I think all of these institutions have an opportunity to really, you know, turn this change into something positive for their football because out of the four that come in only Utah has been worth its weight. Uh, but I think all of them having an opportunity to get into Texas and, and that kind of uh, recruiting base is really going to help all those programs. Uh, this conference is going to be nuts. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, you think it's chaos. Now the chaos is only going to get more notable um, as those programs start to lift themselves up out of kind of, you know, being stuck in the middle of, of having an opportunity to be good. Uh, but in a conference, that just didn't take football that seriously.
2: I think that the results of this year will be less impactful going forward only if OU or Texas win the conference. And K-State's somehow involved, at least from the K-State angle. I think that if K-State wins the conference, doesn't matter who they beat. If it's OU Texas, if K-State can win the conference, they are solidified going forward. It doesn't matter. You know, the seasons are not lessened. This season is not lessened going forward into the new 16 teams. I think that it does lessen if K-State you know, maybe makes the championship game, they lose to Texas, they lose to OU, or Texas and OU, you know, run away as one and two, they play the conference championship game, and they move on and leave everybody behind. I think that's the only way that you can look at this season and say that the results don't matter or they're less impactful going forward is if you have those two teams, you know, competing for that conference championship but I think that if if it's any other way, if it's any other teams, even if it's, you know, one of the new four teams this year, you know, that's much more impactful going forward than, you know, right. Texas and OU winning. Bigger picture, though, stacking
3: one, you know, two seasons of being really good, going to the conference championship game, that's not going to elevate you to being That premier, you know, program in the Big 12, you have to stack that year after year after year after year. You don't have to go to the championship game, but, you know, be very good. And so bigger picture, I don't know how much, you know, this season, regardless of if there's realignment or not, I think you have to be consistently good for longer than just a few years um, to really kind of elevate yourself in the Big 12, in my opinion. Last question comes from Eric Schneid. What's your way-too-early Big 12 basketball prediction for K-State?
4: Wow. Uh, So early that we don't even know the roster yet um, because they are efforting to still add to that. um, Or the schedule. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I think K-State will be, um, let's see, at 14 teams. I think they'll be in the top six, five. Um, boy, you talk about, you know, wild cards. We don't even know K-State's full roster yet, but trying to figure out how all these teams will fit together. Um, I, you know, what, I'll go hard then. I'll go, I'll say K-State will be safely top five because you look at some of the schools coming in, UCF, BYU, uh, you know, they, they're going to be fighting to stay out of the basement of the conference. Cincinnati is uh, kind of cycling through a weird period. This is a great opportunity for them. Of course, Houston is just loaded. Um, always good. Uh, but I, I think the conference stays competitive. But I think bringing in two teams that, you know, and they've got home and a home with BYU. So maybe they'll pick up a couple wins in the conference play that way.
2: How are the buys going to work this year? Yeah. I think that – how does the Big Ten do their tournament with 14 teams? Do they go Tuesday, Wednesday – or well, they go Wednesday, but they play – they, they, 11 12 uh, 13 buys. 14 play the one night and then five through 12 play the next or that equivalent
4: yeah, they do they the I think it's the top four schools get double buys um, in the tournament um I don't know it's gonna be messy I don't know if it because I think it's a five day yeah event for them. I'll put. I don't know how the Big Twelve is going to do it. Yeah. I really don't. When they get sixteen, can that tournament sustain that length of playing?
2: Well, I think but. you'll you'll do the double buys like you do for the uh, the old Big East when they had sixteen teams, right? Yeah. Right, well, I guess the ACC is at fifteen, right? So they do the same thing just with one less game. So it'll be something similar to that, I think, but. For, for this season, way too early for K-State, I will put K-State under the five seed. They're not going to be top four, but I'll put them in, you know, between five and eight. I think that's really generous of me to, at least er, a generous prediction. Right. It gives me a lot of ru- wiggle room there, but I don't think K-State's top four at the moment, but I think they're definitely next four.
3: Yeah, Jerome Tang said that this is an NCAA tournament team as it stands right now. Uh, They could obviously get a lot better and do some, some serious stuff with the two open scholarship spots. We don't know what's going to happen there, but drum tank said that last week that this is an NCAA tournament team, even if those two spots don't get filled. And so I think we can maybe, maybe not us, but the coaches and the players can learn a lot about themselves on their overseas trip. We're recording this on Wednesday. They're flying out this morning. Um, And so, you know, even if they don't necessarily learn a lot about themselves, still a great opportunity for them to to bond with each other, build that chemistry. Um, you know, maybe you don't have to win every game out there, but I mean, it's going to be a valuable experience playing overseas against some some quality competition. And of course, off the court, the stuff that they're going to do out there um, is going to, you know, unify them together, you would have to hope. And so, yeah, I think, you know, maybe five, six seed in the Big 12 tournament would be reasonable. There's maybe a few the bottom of the big 12 now is maybe not as heavy as it used to be, but boy, the top is still going to be as good as it has been in years past. And so uh, way too early. I think this is the right time to say way too early because after this overseas trip, it's not going to be a quote unquote way too early uh, discussion because we're going to find out some stuff
2: maybe about this team when they're overseas. That's going to do it for the first half. We are brought to you by the fridge wholesale liquor. We will join you or you will join us after a short break.
0: GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios.
2: Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We're brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. They're at the intersection of Claflin and Westport. Show off. I'm going to show off every time I get the chance to do it. Get in, see them when you're on your way into town during football season, during any time you're in town go check them out they've been a great supporter of the podcast we're gonna get to your questions here in the second half a lot of expansion we've got Fitz on the phone Gills take it away first question
3: of the second half is from go you cat uh, short of winning the college football playoff what can K-State do in the next several years to avoid being in the same situation Washington State and Oregon State currently find themselves in
4: well, consistency in football and basketball are, are so crucial um, if you're Canada Kansas State. Uh, you know, Oregon State has got one of the most balanced athletic departments um, in the nation. I mean, they're, they're good in a lot of sports, but they're not particularly good in men's basketball. They're just completely non-factor there for the Pac-12. Uh, and football has been so hit and miss. Um, so maintaining consistency, maintaining um, – your facilities. I did a YouTube show with a, you know, a Colorado guy, and I said I think Colorado fans are going to be stunned by the transformation of the facilities in the twelve years that they've been been gone and out of the conference. Um, you know it, that the facilities push from John Curry into Gene Taylor has really paid off for this university, and I, I think when, when you see the fan engagement numbers and the ratings based on on those things, I think K-State's in a great position to always stay um, relevant in college football. But right now, over the next I don't know how many years it will be. It could be a matter of weeks. I don't know. Um, it, as long as we've got four power conferences, Kansas State just has to stay uh, at or near the top of the Big 12 as often as possible and, and be in the national conversation.
2: I agree with you. As long as K-State is competing. They don't necessarily have to win conference championships year in, year out. But if they're, you know, a top four basketball team year in, year out, you're going to be in the conversation. If you're a top four football team, you're definitely competing for a chance to make that big 12 championship game. So as long as you're staying in the conversation, you don't fall to the basement in either sport. Um, You know, obviously if you're KU and you're good at one sport and terrible at another, You're going to be able to, you know, remain relevant at least that way. But you need to be good in football and you need to be good in basketball.
3: The simple answer here is keep Chris Kleiman and keep Jerome Tang, obviously, for the results on the field, on the court. But just the fan engagement, those two guys are so likable. You know, as long as they're around K-State, you know, the brand that uh, this university, the programs they have, Is so high with these two coaches, just because everybody is. It's it's so easy for fans to get behind them. So if Gene Taylor can keep those two coaches, I I don't see K State being worried one bit if if
2: anything does happen with the next phase of realignment, if and when that happens. But I I think that K State, I think the path, I think what K State has done is be supportive of conference realignment, expanding the Big Twelve. I think adding those four schools last year, you know, two years ago. You know, for this season, I think that solidified the conference and it gave stable ground to add really good schools in Colorado, in the four corner schools, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and especially Utah. You bring in Utah, who's won the Pac-12 the last couple of years. I don't want to call them a Texas or an OU, but they are a good football program and you've given them a good home that they're going to fit in. And that, you know, I know that their fans may have wanted to be in the in the Big Ten, but the Big Ten, you know, they have plenty of options right now with the ACC, you know, potentially coming unglued. They're already at 18. I think that a lot of those, you know, the Utahs, the Colorados going to the Big Ten, I don't think it was ever going to work, especially if the ACC is going to come apart and if the Big Ten wants to get to 24, you know, whatever number. I think that the way that, the pieces fell in the end for the big 12. I think that K state is in a good spot because what are, what are the other options for Arizona or Colorado or Arizona state? You know, if they have success, which I don't know if they necessarily will, is the big 10 going to want to take them when the big 12's grant of rights is up. I think that, you know, you look at the grant of rights for the big 12, you know, being what, 2030, 20, I don't know exactly what the number is, the year is, but when it's time to redo the deal, I just don't see a way where some of these new schools are going to be, they're going to want to be aligned with anything other than the big 12. And, and I would say that even if, if Oregon and Washington were joining the conference, I really would say that because, and if they wanted to leave for the big 10, you know, let them. But I think that that the big 12 is at a good number And I think that that's more of a solidifying factor for K-State than potential on-the-field issues, so to speak. Put your trust in Brett Yormark,
3: your K-State. Absolutely. Next question is from Foles Nelson. If you were Brett Yormark and could take Oregon State and Washington State at a discounted rate, would you offer them an invitation to the Big 12?
4: No, period. I, I, I know I did a video... You know sending my sympathy to these fan bases um but when i heard news that they were considering bringing in oregon state look i think washington state uh, we talk about good timing and bad timing of realignment it is horrible timing they're down um their athletic departments in disarray financially and and how it's being led um they're not performing up to stuff uh, they're, they're just an outsider and there's rumors of You know, the Big 12 trying to bring in San Diego State and Oregon State. Uh, I think the Big 12 needs to stop and and really think about some form of regional sense to this conference. Uh, As as crazy as that is being spread coast to coast, San Diego State um, doesn't stretch your footprint that much. It just takes you all the way to the coast, uh, you know, when you're already – uh, in those southern western states, and but Oregon State just creates a whole new issue going up into there, and, and it will do the same if they bring in Gonzaga for basketball and the other sports. Yukon at a discount rate. Um, I'm, I've gotten grown more bullish on Yukon as this whole time, so things taking place. Um, you know, it kind of does stretch you up the northeast corridor a little bit, but not that much when you look at the map for West Virginia and and uh, Cincinnati. Uh, now, you know, if you end up at 18, it, there's a good way to do it. But um, I think the real gain here is by trying to consolidate the footprint of your membership, it, you're going to eventually hopefully have to solve the UCF Island issue, or they'll solve it by going to a different conference where they're not on an island. And um, But you know, I think you need to kind of – Worry about uh, being regional so that all other sports aside from football and men's basketball, where everyone's chartering and flying all over the place, where it'll make better sense. And, and certainly adding a, a San Diego State as a sixth Western team makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, as does, I, I, I'm, you guys know me, I'm a fan of bringing in USF um, for, this, for this exact reason to strengthen the Big Tools footprint uh, as a recruiting territory in Florida, but also to get a uh, our friends in Orlando off that island as soon as possible, but uh, we'll see. I think they're going to hold at 16, but uh, I'd take a hard pass in the, um, the Northwest. It just, again, stretches your footprint to the point where it gets a little uncomfortable for uh, your other sports more than football.
2: Yeah. It's unfortunate to see some power five schools get left out, especially like you said, in your daily delivery, K-State could have been that school two years ago. Had the Pac-12 been competent and taken the schools that really they should have taken, K-State would have been this school on the outside looking in. And they probably don't have a home anywhere. I mean, the Mountain West or the American is probably where K-State would be right now if the Pac-12 survived. But they didn't. And I think that, you know, Oregon State and Washington State, at the very least, I think they could have... If they really wanted to have a home, I think they should have been a little bit more aggressive and maybe been the Colorado, the ones to leave first. If they really were interested in making sure they had a home instead of trusting everybody because they trusted USC and UCLA not to go, and they left. It was clear that Oregon and Washington wanted to go to the Big Ten. I mean, read the room a little bit. At least at least try before it's too late. That's That's how I see it on them. So uh, as much as it sucks to see them fall out of the power five, I wouldn't take them because if you compare them to the four group of five schools that the big 12, you know, added this year, do Washington state and Oregon state match up well with them? I, I would argue, no, I'd rather have Cincinnati. I'd rather have UCF BYU and Houston. I mean, they just make more sense for the conference geographically, one, but two, from a recent success standpoint, you know, you look at Washington state, they really haven't been great in football or basketball lately. I think you can look at all the, you know, Oregon state's kind of the same way. You look at the other schools that the big 12 has added. They've at least had recent football success or decent basketball success and sometimes both. So, I, I just think that right now, I think the Big 12's comfortable at 16. And I think at this point, you need to start looking east. Like you said, Fitz, give UCF, you know, kind of a travel partner. If you're, if you're going to go above 16, go to 20, 24, whatever it is, I think you need to add some teams on the east side to balance out the conference a little bit before you go back west. So, I'm curious, what's more likely...
3: PAC 12 just completely dissolving and, you know, Washington State, Oregon State going to the Mountain West or something, or vice versa? What do you mean, like the
2: Mountain West going to the Mountain West taking Oregon State and Washington State?
4: See, I I think, I don't know. Fitz, you can go. Yeah, those schools, as Zach pointed out so quickly, I just misread the room. They need to be proactive, and instead they sat back. Um, and and waited for someone else to try to solve the problems. And, you know, despite all the talk of unity, really at the end of the day, it's it's survival. And, you know, you can be unified all you want, but when it pushed game to shove, it it turned out, uh, despite what, you know, the the reporting from the West and and other, you know, posters, they had been engaged with the Big 12 the entire time. Uh, You know, did they want that? Existing neighborhood to stay the same, yeah, but that we knew that wasn't possible because there just wasn't a TV deal to be had. That's what we've been saying for the last umpteen months and were ridiculed for. There wasn't a deal to be had, there was no money out there to meet their expectations, let alone their needs. Their expectations were outrageous, which angered possible partners uh, because you know, you sit down and start your negotiations and that 40, 50 million per school. I'm just leaving. We're so far apart, I don't even want to deal with you. And I think that's what Fox did and ESPN hung around, but they were never going to be serious again. So, um, yeah, we'll see how this all develops. But, yeah, I, I just don't see where the value is.
3: Next question from Big Sam. Are there any schools that have been added that you are wary of, such as their risk to the conference and its unity, or their success might outweigh the rewards they bring?
4: You know, th- these meetings amongst the administrators um, are probably very political, you know, very um, kind to each other as colleagues, but someone needs to sit Michael Crow down at Arizona State and say, I, I don't know what you're doing, uh, but it didn't work for you in the Pac-12. And it's not. It's certainly not gonna work here. Um, I-, I think this conference needs to be very blunt with with all members. And if, you know, any one of you thinks you're going to take over this conference and tell everyone else how to do business, uh, we will vote you out. And I think that's something we need to hang over everyone. If you try to disrupt the sense of unity this conference has and hasn't had in a very long time, if ever, uh, if you want to be a disrupting force, then uh, get yourself out of the room. Um, I think Arizona State's a problem. I think we've seen Utah State... Um, will be a good partner. Um, That's going to be my daily delivery. Utah? For tomorrow. Utah. Oh, I said Utah. You said Utah Utah. State. (laughs) Um, I had Arizona State on the mind. Uh, Utah uh, will be a great partner. Um, You know, Arizona's thrilled to be in a basketball conference uh, and be able to, you know, play possibly Kansas on a regular basis. But, you know, maybe in the future, UConn would be huge for any basketball school. Colorado's all in. They seem to be dipping back into the importance of college football with hiring a coach Brian. meanwhile, you've got Arizona state over here, uh, taking shots at the travel distance between Tempe and Morgantown, uh, and, you know, talking nonsense about how the PAC 12 deal was so good because it was space age. Uh, I just, I think their leadership is atrocious. And it's, it's a summary of why the PAC 12 fell apart because you have presidents like Michael Crow, who don't know, a thing about the current athletic marketplace and, and just simply made horrendous decisions over and over and over and blew up their conference. So as I said, on my DD, sit down, shut up and let the proven leaders lead for now.
2: Yeah. I I think that you hit it right there with, with Arizona state. I think they're probably the biggest one that, that may not feel like, they belong, I guess, that they feel like they can be better. They're not at the cool kids table. The cool kids table is somewhere else. They'd rather be elsewhere. But the only thing that that <clears throat> excuse me that that I'm bothered by a little bit, and I think it's going to be fine in the end. But just the Utah AD's just kind of insistence that nothing was happening. That you know that they wanted to be in the Pac-12 and they couldn't imagine being in the Big 12. You know, just kind of his little comments on Twitter, which. Kind of annoying, kind of funny to look back at now. The whole "give me a break" and you know the Big Twelve is the break he got. But you know, I, I think Utah is going to be a great fit for the conference, and I think that they're going to be exciting to watch. And especially if they continue having football success, you know, Utah, K State might be a cool rivalry in the future, kind of like K State, TCU, where you're just you're competing for that conference title. I think they're going to be a great partner for the conference.
3: I agree, Fitz. Do you agree? Nothing to add. Nothing. Well, okay. Last question. Rolling right through. From Pickles, what do you most want to learn in the inevitable thirty for thirty on the Pac-12's demise?
4: Pickles, bringing the great question here. It's, um, yeah, I think uh, I listened to Jason Shears again. The, um, I think it's the Wildcat. Dang it, can't remember the his podcast name, but. It was interesting. Um, he, he contends, and he's you know as well plugged in as anyone who was right this entire way, that the entire last second saved the Pac-12 thing with this deal. You know, how it didn't make sense how Arizona was in. And then suddenly their president, Robbins, is back at the negotiating table ready to sign the same deal they rejected. He contends that was all show. That was all Oregon and Washington literally saying, you know, you guys are worried about who blew up the Pac-12. We'll take the blame. Like you guys tried to save the conference at the last second, but we left. We'll take the blame. And that way you're better off with your constituents. Our constituents don't mind if we blew up the Pac-12 and ended in the Big Ten. He thinks it was all theater. There there was no truth uh, to the last second effort to save the conference. Uh, that they knew they were going to the Big Twelve, they just did this for political um, and personal reasons to make themselves look better. Uh, now let's just say that that alone is a sign of your horrendous leadership. You're you're worried about optics more than solving real problems and uh, and facing tough decisions. So uh, I would tend to believe that, but I would love to see that documented. Like yeah, we were never going to put the conference back together at that point. The deal wasn't good enough, but we just wanted some cover for why the conference didn't work other than us being greedy and want to go to a new conference.
2: I'm most interested in who, what athletic directors and presidents in the big 12 run the shit ran the show. If you know what I mean, Correct. like who, yeah. who were, who was really making the decisions, you know, cause I wouldn't be surprised if it was Gene Taylor or, um, you know, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, you know, those three schools, maybe Iowa State, you know, maybe those four schools kind of running the show. I, I don't know. That's, that's what I really want to know is who who is really making the phone calls with the other ADs, you know, because obviously Brett Yormark's there at the will of, you know, the schools and the universities that make up the conference and he has a big part of it, but he's also the CEO. You know, there's other guys on the ground that are, that are kind of working on it. And I'm interested in all of just the, the back-channeling, I guess, what comes out of that there. I agree. I, I look forward to the what if I told you part of the show. What if I told you yeah. a bunch of smart people were actually really dumb? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
4: That's the truth. Dun, 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 dun. Not not understanding the reality of your situation is yeah. um, going to lead to trouble. And you know, you stop and look at this conference, and I've been, you know, saying for quite a while now that the spine of this conference runs from Ames to Manhattan to Stillwater to Lubbock. You know, that's kind of the the uh, land grant ag based, you know, education um, spine of this conference. But if you look at the eight schools remaining um, after uh, you know the, the departure of OU in Texas, West Virginia and, and TCU kind of have new leadership. Uh, but it's you know with with Baylor added in there, um, you know, Kansas also has new leadership. I, I think you add Baylor into the the four schools I initially mentioned. And I think those were the, the biggest players in this, the, the ones with the strongest voices. But also at the end of the day, it, it took a it, it took a leap of, of faith for BYU to vote in Utah, which they did, um, because this isn't a rivalry. This is hatred. Uh, this is unhealthy. Um, it's going to be a blast to watch. I see a lot of religious bigotry uh, aimed at BYU from its in-state rival that, you know, whether, you know, setting aside what your personal beliefs in Mormonism is, um, you know, being bigoted towards anyone's religion in this day and age is, is you know, just kind of odd. So I I think it, it took BYU doing exactly what I said. Uh, just newcomers, just trust your leadership. And they did that. So, but it's... It, this conference is going to be a blast. It really is.
2: Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Powercat Questions podcast. Like always, we're brought to you by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We will talk to you again next week, and Fitz will be back in the studio. Maybe. Maybe.
4: Maybe. I might just stay out here and cover case sports. What a bummer.
0: Thank you for listening to the Power Cat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Okay,
1: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic. And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.